Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. And welcome to another episode of the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. If remember, if you have been overwhelmed by this healthcare system, underappreciated by this healthcare system, received a million dollar bill by this healthcare system, and you're just looking for some voice of reason out here, you found it. Yours truly, Dr. Barry Pierre, your board certified internist. This week, we're talking about diabetes, and this is actually part two of our series episodes celebrating Diabetes Awareness Month. This week, we are talking specifically on treatment options associated with diabetes. It was one thing that I didn't want to just kind of squeeze it at the tail end of last week's episode. I wanted to make sure that we delved a full episode specifically on treatment options for diabetes because I know we have a lot of people who are listening to this podcast who are either directly or indirectly affected by diabetes in one way, shape, or form. Like always, remember to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five-star review, and send this to five friends out right now, after you listen to this, or before you listen to this, right now, let them know uh, you need to get on this episode about diabetes. Now, this is actually part two of our diabetes series. Depending on when you're listening to this, the month of November is Diabetes Awareness Month. Last week, we did a great overview episode of just what diabetes is, who's affected by diabetes. Make sure you check that out. I will have a link in the description, or if you listen to the podcast, I will have it in the show notes. This week, we're going to dive deep a little bit more on the treatment aspect of it. And the reason why I wanted to split it up, because a lot of the fanfare goes into the diagnosis of it. But when you get diagnosed of it, you know, there's a even much more significant information related to actually treating said uh, diabetes, right? Diabetes, again, is a disease. It does it. Yes, it has to deal with the blood sugar, but it's such a significant problem here and across the world that I want to make sure that not only do I give us just due in the diagnosis and recognizing what is diabetes, but we're going to talk about, hey, what are some treatment options do I got if I walk into my doctor's office? Let me give you the scenario which occurs across this country all the time. A person comes in, let's say they're coming in for their routine physical some of their history, when we get in a good history, they say, hey, doc, you know what? I have been gaining some weight. I'm not sure why I'm gaining this weight. And I'm much more hungrier all of a sudden. Like, I, I feel like any food I eat, um, I, I eat everything. And like, I'm drinking a lot, right? I'm talking about like, they're not even losing weight. They're actually, they're, they're not gaining weight. They're actually losing weight, which is sometimes like puts our alarms up. So then you do your routine testing and you find that, bam. You have an A1C of 8.5, meaning, yes, you are diabetic. Now, what do I do? Because this is always the best question that I get from my patients, especially when I'm doing outpatient medicine. Hey, all right, now that I'm a diabetic, what do I do? What do I need to do? How do I need to change my lifestyle so I don't have to think about in 10, 15, 20 years, increased risk of heart attack, increased risk of stroke? going on dialysis, getting an amputation, getting blind, all of these complications that can occur if you don't get your diabetes in check. So first and foremost, let's start with lifestyle modifications. And I want to I want to scream from the rooftops because what I saw, especially because of the pandemic, 
and with COVID and those who are on the opposite side of uh, that, that aisle, the, the amount of people who swear that physicians aren't screaming about lifestyle modifications and working out, exercising, eating better, and making things like we all want everyone to take a, a medication is hilarious. As a physician, especially one who's been in the primary care field, like our bread and butter is what we can do to change the lifestyle. Like what lifestyle modifications can I recommend for my patient before I'm even thinking about a medication? But like you hear it, like again, it like ad nauseum, like, oh, I guess everyone wants to just take, take a medication. No one cares about diet or exercise anymore. No, we've always cared about diet and exercise. What happened is, is that when we were saying, hey, diet and exercise is important, y'all weren't listening to us, right? So I think that, like, you know, let's, let's, get, let's get ourselves together. So lifestyle modification is the first and foremost step, regardless of whether your A1C is 7.1, 8.9, 13.5, lifestyle modifications. Because, and I said this on the last episode. Sorry to break your concentration. I know you're probably knee deep into today's episode, but do not forget, check out our Lunch and Learn community store, shop.drbarrypierre.com. Remember to use the code EMPOWER10 and make sure you are leaving us a five-star review, especially on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you. Now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. I cannot give you medications that's going to beat your mouth. Like... You can, I can give you the best medications in the world, the best monitoring systems in the world. You can overeat any medication I give you, any regimen, any cocktail of treatment options I give, you can overeat that. So if we don't start working on one, the mental aspect of the lifestyle modification of what it means to be a diabetic, what types of foods I can eat or not eat because I'm diabetic, how often can I eat? When can I eat? All of these questions. If we don't change that, the list of medications we're going to talk about today doesn't mean a hill of beans. And there's a lot of different medications, which I like about diabetes. There is a lot of different options that we have for the treatment of diabetes. So we have options, you know, whether you're, you know, you have issues, GI related issues, whether you have kidney related issues, we've got plenty of options available for our diabetic patients. It's just a matter of making sure we got our patients on the correct cocktail for it. So let's talk about just this aspect of modifications, right? Let's go and let's just share this page here. So this is actually from the um, National Institute of Diabetes and Digestive uh, Kidney Disease, right? Again, a site I kind of like. And the, re- the sites I'm going to mention today are sites I always recommend to my patients. Now, obviously, you're going to listen to me. You're going to watch me you know, for your health information. But I love going and recommending sites for my patients that are easy to read, that my patients can actually digest and then run with. Because that's, it's always the worst when you have a, uh, you have a site, you send them to a site and it's just a whole bunch of medical mumbo jumbo and you can't even understand what's going on. That does nothing for no one. So I love recommending sites for my patients that they can actually go get information of. A lot of these sites do a great job of having like a, hey, if you're a healthcare professional, this is what I want you to read. Hey, if you're a regular patient, you know, everyone's patient, but if you're a patient, this is what I want you to read, right? Because they do a very good, just like I do a good job at breaking down very complex related medical 
uh, subjects and terms. So it's so easy for you to digest that you can then turn around and then go to your family members, go to your doctors, you know, make sure you go to your doctors. Just like I do that, like a lot of these sites do it as well too, right? So again, that's why I like to highlight, that's why I like to highlight them because I think it's extremely important um, in your, uh, again, you remember the motto is empower yourself for better health. So it's extremely important that you uh, are able to take whatever information you're able to get from me and then run with it. So let's uh, let's share a screen. Make sure you can see that there. So this so this is you know diabetes diet eating and physical activity right and the reason why we stress it because it's so important it is so important because again we yet yeah, I can't I can't I can't over medicate what you're eating so if you're gonna eat if you're gonna overeat whatever I give you it's not gonna matter it's the reason why when patients who are diabetes diabetic and they run into the hospital all of a sudden the diabetes control is so uh, you know, so much on point because guess what? Now I'm actually giving you that that calorie count diet that you're supposed to have with every single meal. And so when I give you your home regimen, the home regimen sometimes is almost too much. So these are common questions I get when, with my diabetic patients. What can I eat? What, you know, what should I limit myself with? Uh, when can I eat? How much can I eat? So, and supplements and vitamins. These are all very valid questions that I will get taking care of my diabetic patients because they just want to know. They want to know, hey, doc, like, how do I take care of myself now that you're telling me I'm a diabetic, right? So I love this. Let's, so let's start with the, the food that you can eat because I think that's important. The food groups are vegetables, fruits, grains, proteins, and dairy. And you see under vegetables, they got the non-starchy broccoli, carrots, peppers, tomatoes, even potatoes, corn, green peas. Uh, orange fruit, fruits under oranges, melons, berries, apples, bananas, and grapes, grains as well. Again, at least half of your grains for today should be whole grains, uh, wheat, rice, oatmeal, um, proteins, of course, lean meat, chicken, uh, turkey, fish, uh, eggs, uh, and then a dairy, no fat and no fat, right? And the reason why I want to stress that aspect out is because a lot of times when we hear, oh, I'm diabetic, they automatically think, oh my God, I can't eat anything. Like, oh my God, like uh, my, my, my choices of eating is completely gone, which is not the case. From a di- from, for diabetes, diabetes has always been a case of control and controlling what you eat, how you eat, when you eat to get to the next day so your sugars aren't bouncing up and down. So again, you're not restricted to the point where you can only eat two or three different meals. Like as you saw that list, there's a whole bunch of food you can actually eat when you're a diabetic. It's all about making sure you eat it in portion control uh, and good enough amount so you're not overwhelming your system. Because remember, when we talked about it in part one, the issue with diabetes is that you have an overwhelming aspect of uh, glucose that your body cannot break down for one way or the other. Remember, check out part one if uh, you know catch up on uh, some of the reasons why. So let me go back. Um, let me see here. Again, uh, you have uh, heart healthy foods, again, oils, nut seeds, um, salmon, tuna, mackerel. Uh, what food should I limit myself? Again, this is always the big one. What food should I be trying to avoid for my diabetics, right? Fried foods, foods high in saturated fats, foods high in salt, sweets such as baked goods, candy, and ice cream. I know that's a big one, especially for my diabetic patients because they think, oh my God, can I eat sweets anymore? Um, uh, now remember, this says what foods 
should I limit? It's not saying what food should I eliminate? Like, I, I think we let's stress that word out. What food should I limit myself? Not eliminate. And this does not say you can't have fried foods. It does not say you can't have sweets. It's just saying, all right, when I'm looking at some of these meals, this is something that we're going to have to kind of taper ourselves back on. Uh, drinking water instead of sweetened beverages, right? You know, get that sort of out of here, right? Which I think is, you know, even if you're not diabetic, it's important. Uh, if you drink alcohol, drink it moderately, right? Because the, especially because a lot of glucose-related um, sugar. When should I eat? Again, some people with diabetes need to eat at times at the same time of the day. Others could be flexible. And this is an important question. Why? Because it literally will depend on certain medications. Certain medications that you take will work faster than others. We'll work in the day. We'll work in the evening. We're working in the afternoons. So if you are not, and this is this is where my diabetic patients, let me uh let me screen myself. Let me get myself bigger again. For my diabetic patients, listen to me. Listen to me. If you're if you're watching this on the YouTube, shout out. Um, if you're listening to it on the podcast, listen, if you are a diabetic patient, don't go out here taking your diabetic medications and then turn around trying to skip meals. It does not work this way. You are not helping yourself. Why? Because certain medications, whether you eat or not, it's bringing that blood sugar down. And we're giving you those medications because we anticipate that you're eating. So if you're not eating and you're taking those blood pressure, those blood sugar, uh, insulin medication, diabetic medications, guess what? Problems can arise because having high blood sugar is a problem. Guess what? Having low blood sugar is also a problem. Low blood sugar is also a problem. So don't go out here skipping meals and being uh, compliant with your 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 medication. Like if you're going to be compliant, like be compliant with your medications and your diet. Don't just be compliant with one because if you're compliant with your diet but not compliant with your medications, guess what? Sugars go bad, right? On the high side. If you're compliant with your medications but not compliant with your diet, guess what? Sugar goes down, right? Like that's because again. That, that medication does not say, oh, you know what, they skipped lunch, so I'm not going to work as hard. No, that medication is going to work just as hard as if you had that meal that you're supposed to eat for lunch. Or you, and a lot of times uh, my patients will get in trouble for dinner because they may have a light dinner, maybe have a little salad here and there, uh, a little something, nothing too crazy. But the problem is, is that they're taking a medication that's anticipating that, oh, you're supposed to have some carbs over there. So you're also supposed to have this with some lean meats. And now you just took a salad. And guess what? I'm bringing and those that salad and stuff is not going to raise your sugar as much as that, you know, a side of bread might have. So guess what? I'm still bringing your sugar down. So again, re repeat after me. If you are compliant with your diet, but not compliant with your your medications, guess what? Your sugar goes up. But if you are compliant with your medications, but not compliant with your diet, guess what? Your sugar will go down. And both of those spectrums can be a problem, right? So definitely understand um, you know, we got to be compliant with both. So um, how much should I eat? Always an important question. Eating the right amount of food. And this is where really talking to your doctor, getting uh, in touch with your doctor, your nutritionist, or whoever you're working with is going to be extremely important to kind of, because it, it, it it's different for everyone. So I can't say one size, it's never, definitely, especially in diabetic, diabetics, it's not a one size fit all. And obviously weight loss planning again. And the reason why I'm stressing this out it's because I don't want to hear no one talk about physicians aren't preaching lifestyle modifications. Like that's all we preach. In fact, that's if 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 you ask me 
my job is to try to bankrupt uh, these pharmaceutical companies, right? I want the lifestyle modifications to be just enough, but I'm aware that uh, for a lot of patients, lifestyle modifications are not enough to get them into their healthy goal. So they need medications as well to get them where they need to be. Um, I had an episode with Dr. Sylvia, um, who is the uh, American obesity medicine specialist. And she talked about when you're overweight, uh, a lot of times, you know, they scream lifestyle modification and lifestyle modifications. But what the problem is, is that if you're overweight to a certain level, you need some pharmaceuticals to get to kind of kickstart kick the system first and then you go. Right, you you need to again. She she had a great graphic. In fact, I'll make sure I put uh, that episode link um, in the description as well, because you need those medications to kind of get you back to the starting line. Because if you're so far behind, and now you're trying to start a race with people who are at the starting line, but you're like half a lap down, you're not going to win. So sometimes, yes, lifestyle modifications can get you moving, but sometimes you need those pharmaceuticals to kind of get you started at the right place. So when it is time to go, everyone, it's a fair race. So let's um let's see what we, if I got anything here. And this just kind of talks about meal planning methods and plate methods, which which I, I like that, right? Kind of kind of gives a nice little example. You you can't see this on uh, my for my podcast listeners, but it kind of breaks down a, a plate of kind of from a percentage standpoint, like how much percentage should be protein, how much percentage should be uh, carbs. So it looks like they got about fifty percent should be about vegetables, fifty percent about protein and about 50% um, grains or carbs. So again, I like this, right? Because that screams, that screams lifestyle modification, that screams diet. And that's, and that's, that's what we preach about, especially for my diabetic patients, my um, high blood pressure patients, my high cholesterol patients, we are going to focus on the lifestyle modification first, before we get to the medications. Even though we know, yeah, you're going to need medications. We know that if I don't get your foundation if I don't get your baseline correct, it's not going to matter. It is not going to matter if I don't get your uh, foundation correct. And how do I get your foundation correct? Making sure the lifestyle modifications are in order, right? So let's talk about just certain medications because there's a lot of different medications out there. Um, obviously, a lot of people know about the in insulins, and we'll talk about insulins in a little bit. But let's talk about certain uh, oral medications, right? Medications that you can take by mouth to kind of help you, um, you know, combat. Uh, your uh, diabetes. So again, Mayo Clinic is another site that I love. And, and the reason why I love the Mayo Clinic is because again, it's so, so easy for you guys to read it. So easy for you guys to read it, for you guys to be able to break it down. So we're going to co be comparing different medications. The reason why I like the Mayo Clinic, the reason why I like this site here, again, it will be in the show notes, the description, is because it not only gives you a breakdown of what the medication does, how it does it, but what are the side effects? Because guess what? One of the one of the most common reasons for a patient not to be compliant with the medications is because side effects that we know will occur if you take that medication occurs, and they say, "Oh my God, there's something wrong with this medication." No, not anything wrong with this medication. It's just doing what it typically would do. Like it just is what it is. So, uh, so we have the first one, and this is not in any particular categorical order. It's just kind of the way they listed it. Um, so they got the me megalinides, right? So they got a couple of medications here, uh, repaglinide and nateglinide, right? What do they do? They trigger the release of insulin from the pancreas. It works quickly. What are some side effects? Uh, lower blood sugar drops, right? So again, this is where your blood sugar, again, this is where if you are compliant with your medications, but not compliant with your um, 
uh, your your diet can be a problem. So uh, the sulfonylureas, a lot of people know this as well. So this is lipizide, glomeparide, glyburide. Um, these again are just medications that we know um, do a very good job at again releasing insulin from the pancreas. Because remember what we talked about when it comes to diabetes, it's either that your body isn't making enough uh, insulin or the insulin it's making, um, you know, is it, kaput. Like it doesn't work, right? It's, it's garbage, right? What are some advantages? Low cost. It's also effective in lowering blood sugar. And then obviously when we think about it, if it's triggering the release of insulin, what are our side effects? Low blood sugar drops. You can have some weight gain. Um, have, I've had patients with skin rash and nausea, especially if they drink alcohol associated with these medications here, right? So those are the sulfonylureas. Um, the DPP-4 inhibitors, um, these are also very uh, important, very common medications. A lot of people may be familiar with Genuvia and Trigenta um, from, from this class of medication. Again, causes the release of insulin when blood sugar is rising, and it limits the, the liver's ability to release glucose. Because remember, uh, the liver releases glucose and insulin helps break it down. So not only does it help uh, release insulin into our system that helps bring our sugars down, but it also makes it so that the liver can't release glucose, which will raise sugar. What are some of the advantages? Does not cause the weight gain, does not cause blood sugar levels to drop too low um, when used alone or with metformin, which we'll talk about metformin in a second. What are some side effects? Uh, upper respiratory infection possible, sore throat possible, headaches possible, right? So again, these are, again, this is just the DPP-4 inhibitors, right? So again, I'm going to just going to run through a list of these medications. Again, the link will be in the show notes. But this is just to kind of show you that we got a lot of different medications out here for diabetes, right? Like diabetes is a problem. Again, check episode one. Make sure, again, you're like and subscribe. That way you'll always be aware of the episodes. But diabetes is a problem. So this kind of gives you an idea of what options we have for it. Uh, Biguanides, this is probably the most important medication, metformin. But in fact, let me, let me big myself up for a second. We understand metformin is probably the most important medication. Metformin is the gold standard medication in the battle against diabetes. And when I say gold standard, everything gets compared to how well it performs against metformin or with metformin. Like that is when you are the gold standard, when you are the top dog of it all. Like, so when you're a diabetic patient, if there's, unless there is reasons why you can't be on metformin, which we know patients with kidney related issues, Number one, get up out of there. You're not getting on metformin. Like that's probably the number one. Like those patients, those are the ones who are like, ah, we wish I wish I could give you this metformin, but I can't. But so metformin is the gold standard of choice when dealing with diabetes. So majority of the time, if you get diagnosed with diabetes, it's the first medication you're getting put on. Let's go here. Da, da, da. Oh, let's see, let's see. So metformin, very effective, uh, can lead to some minor weight loss, very low cost because it's generic. Uh, nausea, stomach pain. Now, the nausea and stomach pain, I want to kind of make sure I highlight that when you are just starting on metformin, it is a complication of it in the beginning. And that's because your body's getting used to this new medication, used to the way it's breaking down uh, the blood sugar, but it's not a prolonged issue. And I always tell my patients, hey, I'm about to start you on the metformin. It's, you're you're going to have some GI related issues probably for the next month or so. And the reason why I do that is because I want to prep in my patient's mind that, hey, you know what? Doc told me that I'm going to have some GI upset when I take this medication. So I don't want to be shocked. I'm not going to be shocked when that occurs. 
And because I'm not shocked when that occurs, I'm not also going to call Dr. Pierre and say, hey, this thing's giving me GI complaints. I'm going to stop taking that medication. No, no, no. It's giving you GI issues because that's kind of how it works. Again, it's a gradual approach, but eventually your body will get used to it. So I always, I always try to prep my patients. And that's why as a healthcare provider, not only should you know how a medication works, you should also know the side effects so you can educate your patients. Because if you don't know the side effect, you can't educate your patients on which one, um, on what to expect. And then they'll call you and tell you that it doesn't work. Uh, the TZDs, uh, we wouldn't even say that word, uh, Actos and Avandia, uh, inc- improves the cell sensitivity to insulin. Again, everything's kind of working with insulin. And this is another one that also limits the liver's ability to make and release the glucose, um, just like the uh, DPP-4 inhibitors. Um, may slightly increase your HDL cholesterol, which is actually a good thing. Uh, for, you know, for our cholesterol uh, lovers, we know um, HDL is actually a good issue. Weight gain is a possibility. Fluid retention is a risk. Risk, um, risk increase of broken bones and risk of heart issues. So guess what? If you have any cardiac-related concerns or problems, guess what medication class you're not going to be put on? So this is why it's important for healthcare providers to not only know what medications are good for, but what are they not good for? And obviously your, your healthcare provider should be knowing that, but you know, and I hope you, you don't have to educate your healthcare provider on that. Uh, alpha glucosate inhibitors, again, slows the body's ability to break down starches and some sugars. So it's just kind of slowing down the process. Um, don't cause weight gain. Don't cause blood sugars to drop, but it can cause gas and stomach pain and some diarrhea. Now the SGLT2 inhibitors, um, in Volcana, Farsiga, Jardians, again, are probably the more common names that you may be aware of, uh, limits the kidney's ability to take in sugar, which increases the amount of sugar that leaves the body in the urine. And I talked about this in part one. In part one, I talked about how um, one of the simplest tests for me to know if you're a diabetic or not is just the urine test, because it gets to a point where you have so much sugar in your system that your kidneys start peeing it out. And if your kidneys are peeing out a significant amount of sugar, you know, the alarm bells are ringing and it's like, oh, we need to do something about that. Like you may be a diabetic, uh, may lead to weight loss, may lower some good blood pressure, right? So again, but you can have some urinary tract infection, yeast infection. Our diabetic patients, we talked about this last time, are more susceptible to infections, in- including yeast infections, including the flu. Um, and we even spread this out for like COVID as well. Uh, bioacid sequestrants. Uh, well call, not one of the more common medications that we use out there, but does help lower uh, cholesterol as well as has a small effect on lowering blood sugar. So from a diabetic patient, this is probably the last medication I'm giving you uh, more than anything else. And then they have uh, kind of the, the some of these insulin uh, related medications here. Um, so some may know, uh, again, uh, primalitide, Simlin. Um, they have the Trulicity you may be aware of. I'm just looking to see if there's anyone that you may know. Um, all right, so perfect. So that that's our so that's a breakdown, just so you guys can kind of see just how many different types of medications out here we have to treat your diabetes. But remember, if you remember the start of this show, none of that happens if your lifestyle modifications ain't taken care of. So if I don't take care of your lifestyle modifications, it don't even matter. It don't even matter what medications I got if I don't take care of your lifestyle modification, right? So, and I, before before I get you guys out of here, right, one of the things I always hear, especially for my patients who have gotten to the point where they're on oral medications, they're doing lifestyle modifications, but they still need insulin, right? Like the oral pills just aren't enough. 
right? Let's. I want to do a quick little breakdown of uh, insulin, the types of insulin that we got out there. Um, more importantly, uh, in regards to when they work, how they work, and then uh, probably the biggest gripe I get from my diabetic patients who are on insulin is having to stick themselves. And we are making this kind of transition, and I'll talk about this, this transition of continuous glucose monitoring that doesn't require you to have to keep sticking yourself um, that we've seen some great benefits for. So let's uh, let's do a quick little quick little breakdown of our um, types of insulin that we got out there. So again, this is uh, University of California. Great website as well, too, uh, for the different types of insulin. So they kind of break down um, characteristics of insulin and what you should be knowing about insulin, uh, whether, in fact, let me make sure I can... I can actually see that because it looks small to me. Let's see here. Perfect, perfect. Characteristics of insulin onset, how quickly they act, uh, peak, how long it takes to achieve the maximum impact, how the duration, how long, and in concentration, and obviously the route of delivery. So the types of insulin we have, fast-acting insulin, absorbed quickly, um, used to control blood sugar during meals. So the fast-acting insulin is usually the type of insulin that you will take right before you're about to eat a meal. Like if you're my hospital patient, right before you're about to eat a meal, we have a certain regimen you got to take every single time. Some of my um, hospital patients will be on what we call a sliding scale. So based off the their blood sugar, by the time they're actually testing it, because I wish they could say they always test it before meals, but sometimes it doesn't happen. So right before they test it, they say, oh, your blood sugar is 240. And based on that, I'm going to give you this fast acting insulin to try to bring it down. So that's that's an, another option. Um, and so you got the rapid acting insulin analogs, Aspart, Lispro, uh, Glucine. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not really familiar with that. Or the regular human insulin. And you just kind of see kind of the onset of action. Five to 15 minutes, peaks in about an hour or two, lasts for about four to six hours. So this is why you will take this multiple times throughout the day, because after four to five hours, it's already out of your system. Um, regular human insulin, again, onset of action about a half hour to an hour, peaks in two to four hours. This one lasts a little bit longer, six to eight. Um, so that's the, the, the intermediate acting insulin, absorbed a little bit more slower, used to control the blood sugar overnight. Um, while fasting in between meals, right? So again, that's a very good one. You have your NPH, which is a very common one, and your pre-mixed one. And the pre-mixed one is important because a lot of people are on the pre-mixed insulin. And let me just kind of give the breakdown of especially what I do in the hospital setting or in outpatient setting. So you have different types of regimen for patients, especially who need insulin. You have the, what we call the kind of the basal uh, bolus regimen. So this is one where you may have someone who is on insulin, the regular short acting insulin for every meal, but then they also get a, what we call a nighttime dose or a dose that's just once a day. Now, why do they do that? And this is, I want you guys to kind of think about this analogy when we talk about diabetes. So for diabetes, you have, you have your peaks and your valleys. So you have, when you go to eat something or go to think about eating something, boom, your sugar kind of races up. But it may race up to, let's say, level 10. The reason why we like giving the long-acting insulin medications because we know it's the, it's slower, it has a longer duration, and it stays in your system longer. So you could, let's say you're about to go eat something and your sugar spikes. Instead of it going from 1 to 100, if you have a good basal, like a good baseline of insulin in your system, you may only go from 1 to 60 
which is a good thing. Why? Because now when I turn around and give you your short acting insulin right before breakfast, lunch, or dinner, now I don't have to try to pull it down from 100 all the way down to one. I just need to pull it down from 60 all the way down to one. So you can, you can kind of see how you kind of need both. And the reason why is because you don't want to have to deal with these consistent spikes. So let's say you only had the base of bolus, the long acting medication. Yeah, you may have a roof on there that like stops so it only gets to 60, but it keeps hitting the roof. It keeps hitting the roof over and over and over again. We don't want the sugar spikes to keep hitting the roof. We want to have some level of control, especially when we're about to eat. So that's why you need, and vice versa, let's say you only had the short acting medication. So you're only taking these things before your meals. So yeah, it's okay bringing down the sugar quickly, but instead of it having to bring down from 60, it's got to go all the way up to 100 to bring it all the way down. And that's, yeah, so you can kind of see how both of these work together. Now, what we kind of mentioned was these pre-mixed formulations. So instead of you taking short-acting medications three times uh, with your meals and then a long-acting medication at nighttime or during the day, depending on whenever you take it, yeah, some people who take NPH, which is like NPH 75, 25, or 70, 30, and they take it just twice a day. And the reason why they take it twice a day, and that's all they need to take, because the NPH, guess what? Just like the name says, has a mixture of the long-acting and short-acting medication. And because it has a mixture, like I can give it in the morning, give it in the, uh, the evening, and then not only do I get a basal, like that long acting in my system, but I also get my short acting for meals. So that way I'm not having to chase insulin every time I'm about to eat because I just take my 70-30. Now it's going to be up to your doctor how they break down, you know, how much to give you in the morning versus the evening. I always get, when I'm talking to my patients, I say, all right, which one are your biggest meals? Is it, are you a big breakfast and lunch eater? Are you a big lunch and dinner eater? Because that's going to vary on which uh, you know, percentage, because it's not like I give 50% in the morning and 50% in the evening if I'm doing the mix. I may give two thirds in the morning and a third at night or vice versa. Just really just depends on how you eat, right? That's why it's always important to follow up with your doctor, right? That's why we love doing what we do here because I can give you the game plan, give you the blueprint and say, all right, doc, I just listened to Dr. Barry talk about diabetes, gave a great breakdown, right? Correct? Shake your head. Yes gave a great breakdown and I just want to make sure I'm on the correct regimen, right? So that's why I love, um, you know, the diabetics, uh, the, the insulins, because, but understand it, it takes, does take some education. And when I was taking care of uh, patients in a hospital, I, I found myself even having to educate patients in a hospital, how they should do it in the, their office um, when they go home, which is again, extremely important. So we got the long acting insulins here. Um, again, and then these are just kind of breakdown. And this, this is actually a table I like because it kind of gives you a nice little breakdown of fast acting versus intermediate versus long acting. It talks about the, you, you kind of see how the, the onset is right here, right? You kind of see, um, the duration, you can, you know, how it appears, which again, for some people is important, um, what it looks like. Um, but this is it's so important because when you're a healthcare provider taking care of your patients with diabetes, or you're on the other side, you're a patient taking taking these medications, you need to know how your medications worked, how quickly they work. And again, this is where I talk about being compliant on your medications and your diet. Because if you take a regular insulin 
Okay, you say, oh, I'm about to go eat breakfast. Let me go take my regular insulin because I know it has an onset of a half an hour to an hour and it peaks in a couple of hours. But then something happens where you forget to, you know, you, you're running around and you don't get to breakfast. Guess what? Sugar is coming down. Sugar is coming down. It will and can and always will be a problem, right? So that's why it's so important. We got compliance on both is extremely important. You got to be compliant on your medication uh, for your, your diabetes as well as your diet for your diabetes. It, it goes hand in hand. But I, I love this chat, this uh, graph here again. I will put this in the description just so you guys can kind of check it out yourself just to kind of see where your medication fits out. So uh, before I let you guys go, before I let you guys go, um, I kind of hinted that one of the biggest gripes that I get from my patients who take insulin is the doc, man, I hate taking insulin. I hate sticking myself. And what we've seen over the past year and some change, it's been a while, but definitely starting to catch more popularity. Why? Because it's getting cheaper, thank God, is that you have... Um, glu continuous glucose monitoring systems, meaning instead of you having to continuously stick yourself, you know, three, because remember those patients who have to take it every single meal, um, they got to stick yourself three times a day just to see like, all right, let me see what my sugars look like right now. Okay. I can do, especially those sliding scale patients. So, and if you ever had to stick yourself for a diabetic, um, you know, that it can be very uncomfortable and just annoying uh, more than anything else. You want to keep doing it. So you do have some continuous glucose monitoring options that are out there that are, are catching a lot of support because of the fact that people are really tired of having to continuously stick themselves. But more importantly, the reason why they're getting better is because not only can you continuously monitor your sugars, you can actually treat as well. So it's not just the fact that they're just monitoring like, okay, your sugar's high, your sugar's low, your sugar's high. They're not just doing that. Not only are they monitoring, oh, your sugar's high, boom, here's some more insulin. Oh, your sugar's low, boom, less insulin. So they're able to kind of regulate how much insulin you're getting throughout the process, so, which is extremely important because we know that having a tight control on our blood sugar is extremely important for my diabetic patients. Having a con tight control, extremely important. So that's why um, it's extremely uh, valuable with these continuous glucose monitoring. Let me just kind of... Um, you know, kind of show a couple of examples before we get we get you guys out of here. Uh, again, remember to like, subscribe uh, to the podcast as well as our YouTube show, so we know we know we're doing a good job here. And again, these are just some you know how to choose a glucose monitor, which is always important. Insurance, you know, because obviously cost is a thing. How accurate uh, the data is display, the size, additional features. So um, this is this is off of Healthline, which is actually another good site as well too for patients. Um, so you have the Freestyle Libre, uh, which is the kind, again, does not require uh, finger sticking, right? Because it's kind of continuously monitoring um, the uh, glucose. The Eversense is another subcutaneous implant. Um, again, it was proven in what, 2019 for diabetic patients. Um, again, on upper, your, it looks like it's usually applied to your upper arm. And there's, again, continuous monitoring of it. And the reason why, again, a Dexcon is another one. That's probably more, you know, it's probably more, that's one that I've seen more commercials about, right? So they must got some money behind them uh, as well. The Guardian Connect system and then the D-Base, right? So these are just different kinds. And I wonder if I can show you how the picture. I, wonder, I don't know if they got pictures. It's always good if you guys can see a picture of it, but I'm not sure if they got it. Oh, okay, perfect, perfect. So they actually have, actually have some good good pictures on here so you guys can kind of see oh let me just pop up out there yeah, perfect freestyle libre 
the ever since you guys for those who are watching on the youtube channel you can kind of see the um uh graphically what it looks like uh dexcom guardian connect the v base and the re reason why these are important too is because not only can the patient monitor it but your healthcare provider can as well too right so your physician has the ability to actually monitor um uh, these systems as well so again let me see here. Perfect. So definitely a, a pointed discussion. And it's the reason why I wanted to make sure I separated out, separated out just the treatment options, because I didn't want it to get kind of lost um, within the sauce of just kind of learning, hey, what is diabetes? Why is diabetes bad? I didn't want to get lost in that. I wanted you guys to understand that, yes, um, we take diabetic uh, treatment very seriously. We always start with lifestyle modifications. We got a slew of different oral medications. And more importantly, we got a slew of different insulin-related medications for those who um, they just don't make enough insulin or don't make insulin at all, and they need that insulin support. We got our options there. So when you're going to your doctor's office and you're getting your checkup and you let's say you get your diagnosis for diabetes for the first time or you've been to your diabetic, understand that there are options that are continuously coming out to help better control your diabetes because we know what the downwind effects of a non-controlled diabetic are. We know it and we don't want that. Those, that's what we're trying to avoid uh, with our patients, right? That, that's why we're here. That's what we do what we do here. So again, remember, like, subscribe, uh, you know, leave a comment too, right? Leave a comment, whether you're on my podcast, especially my, uh, my podcast listeners and uh, drop me some ratings as well. Who does ratings? Spotify, and uh, Apple Podcasts does a rating. So drop a rating over there and come over to the YouTube. Even if you're not on YouTube, come over to the YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube page so you can kind of see me, um, you know, talking about this as well. You can kind of see all my hand gestures and everything else. So you guys be blessed. Have a great day. I'm going to see you guys next week. Thank you for getting to the end of the episode. I am yours truly, Dr. Barry Pierre, favorite board certified internist like always remember to subscribe to the podcast leave us a five-star review and more importantly share this to at least two of the five of your friends and family members that you know that could be empowered with the words that you heard today again so appreciative of all you guys' support see you guys next week